my normal fit is an Aloha shirt and uh, pants, and I'm wearing pants. But um, the reason why I'm wearing the hoodie is my muscles are super sore, and the heat provides some relief, coach. It, it provides some relief. Now, granted, the sacrifice is I might sweat like a pig up here, but at least I won't be in pain. Let's reverse the tape. There were two games. You saw the second game. The first game, and I have coaches in the house that were on the field can verify that I was having a Travis Kelsey moment. And if you don't know who Travis Kelsey is and you're a little bit older, it's Jason Witten for the old cowboy heads. It is... Um, it is Gronk for the Patriots. It's Disley for the Seahawks. And I was all over the field trying to catch. And um, the pig hunter on the other team, uh, a.k.a. Isaiah, who is by far in massive shape. Okay? Now, round is a shape. I get it. But he's in, like, prime playing football shape. And I was doing enough on the field that would garner his attention. And so not only was a safety spying me, Joe, I had Isaiah clamping me down and I couldn't let my pride and I couldn't let that like go down like old man style came out of me. And I thought I was 18 again, but my body reminded me of my age the very next morning. No Tiger Bomb, no Ben Gay, no Deep Blue for you essentials could help me get up and step out of bed. I, I did this roll thing, and the older one's like, that's my everyday. I rolled, and I got one foot up, and I stayed there for about 45 minutes. So that my body could warm up and wake up so I could get up and step out. Because I was activating muscles that I don't normally use. There were things in my body. I'm like, I haven't experienced those level of muscles for decades. I thought God just took them out of my body. But they're there. And the reason why they're not in prime condition is because I don't work those muscles out. In the same way, we all, according to the Bible, are called to do the work of an evangelist. Somebody say evangelist. Now, that might spur up in your mind something like a Billy Graham or a Benny Hinn or a TV evangelist that tries to get someone to hear the message of Christ and make a declaration to follow after him. That is like a level of evangelism. And in the Bible, it talks about that some people actually have that gift. And so then we say, well, if it's a gift and I don't feel like I have that gift, do I need to do the work of an evangelist? And the Bible is super clear that all, not the ones that are on the stage, not the ones that grab the microphone, that all are responsible for doing the work 
of an evangelist, but the reason why we have a hard time doing or exercising the work of an evangelism, because it's a muscle. It's a muscle that needs to get worked out. And then I look at people and their lives that make it, it seems like they sneeze on people and people are coming to a saving grace of Jesus, giving their lives to Christ. And it's not because it's by accident. It's not because they have just a gift. They actually practice and exercise the work of an evangelist. This entire series has been predicated on going beyond what your body tells you, what your mind tells you, because your mind will tell you a lot of things. Remember when I was down here and I was praying earlier, I was hearing from your minds in the crowd about all the things that you cannot do. I can't do this. I can't get over this. I could hear it. I'm trying to sing and worship, and I can hear all of these things that are plaguing our minds. But the Bible is really clear. Do not be conformed. Do not come into the shape of the, the things that we lack or the things that are not of him. Do not be conformed to those ways anymore. Be transformed. Be an optimist prime. And get into your zone and be renewed by his spirit. That's why I'm so grateful for worship. I'm so grateful for our worship team. Had a talk story session with them in the back. Kristen was freaking out. She thought I was going to bring this lecture and I was going to scold. And I just said, thank you. I said, thank you that when you guys are up here and you guys start to play and sing and you don't go through a routine, you are opening up the heavens and someone was on the cusp of taking their life. Someone was on the cusp of calling it quits on a marriage. Someone was on the cusp of raising their backhand and just giving a quick little swift backhand to their teenage son or daughter, but as the presence of God hit, their mindset started to transform to the power and the renewing of his saving grace, and the decisions that they were about to make in the flesh has been renewed. His power is here to have us go beyond ourselves, because left to ourselves, I'd stay in bed. I'd stay in bed and let my spiritual muscles atrophy and let them just kind of go in and say, well, that was when I was 15 or that was when I was 20. And I'll like, maybe one day I'll muster up the strength later on to exercise the muscle. It's right now. It's right now. I want to inspire you for the next 20 some minutes with some live testimonies, with some video testimonies, and then a practical step for all of us to take so that we can do the work of an evangelist. Father, all across this place, some of us have these ginormous spiritual muscles that are exercised every single day. And Lord, some of us are out there and in the spirit might look like McLovin, skinny and frail. But right now, I call forth your presence and your power to help us get the right thought in. It starts with the thought. And let that thought grow 
into something very, very special, that we could leave this place different, that we could leave this place transformed to do what you have called us to do in your sweet and precious name, in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, amen. I talked about last week, the last passage that I put is a Matthew 28 moment. And he's just talking with his disciples like, this is my last talk and this is important. I want to talk story with you. I want to have small group with you. I want to share what's on my heart before I flutter away like that dude in Wakanda. And he has like the angel wings and he just flies. Jesus is about to go straight up into heaven and he's talking to them. It is vital and important that each and every one of you go to the ends of the earth to go beyond and baptize those that don't know me, Jesus, in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, making disciples of all nations. And the Bible says that's all people groups that you disciples are really, really good at talking story with your own people group, but I want you to go beyond. I want you to be able to get outside of your culture, get outside of your comfort, get outside of your zone. We're going to step out and go beyond. Before you do, a power needs to come upon you. He said, go into a room in an upper room moment and wait. You hear wait, and it seems like it sounds passive. When God says to wait on me, it's like that attentive restaurant server who sees my cup that's halfway full of the most delicious aspartame infested cup of Diet Coke and knowing that I have at least 10 gulps left in the cup she's right there or he's right there sir do you need some more Diet Coke? I would love some more aspartame in my cup grab my cup, fill that cup to overflowing I would love to be refreshed by more soda because they're waiting on me with an attentive type of waiting on me so that whatever need I have, like, oh my gosh, you need more butter? You want more butter for your bread? You need some amazing bread? You want butter? I got your butter. Here's your butter. Here's your soda. I'm waiting on God with an active, attentive spirit instead of being passive in the cut and say, I was just waiting on the Lord. No, you're just sitting back and kicking it. He calls you to wait on him with an active type of presence. He said, go to the room and expect something to happen. That's waiting on the Lord. They expected God to show up. And you know how he showed up? Bible's really clear. With like a rushing thunderous wind and fire. And they started to speak in other languages so that they could go to other communities that didn't speak their language or their tongue. And as Peter, a young disciple and a young speaker who was not articulate, articulate was not from a place that trained you how to be an articulate speaker, commanded an audience with different languages. And he starts to utter out things. And they clearly heard the message of God in their own tongues. Because the Holy Spirit came upon them in fire. Because God was working through a vessel that says, here I am, Lord, send me. Oftentimes we sit back and kick and say, here I am, Lord, send them. Here I am, Lord. I'm ready to let that person be used by you. Go ahead and send them. Send me them. 
send there. God says, no, I have called you, no matter your age, baby, no matter your age, and everywhere in between to go beyond because the Holy Spirit is just waiting to empower someone to unlock greatness. Ray and I didn't wait for our baby situation to be all settled before we went out to another nation. She was seven and a half months up high, and we were up high in the air going to India, catching all kind of weird cultural looks because she was full on pregnant. She gave birth, infant. We have an infant, and God says, you're going to go to Okinawa. And oh, Lord, I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait until they're like 25. And then I'm going to do what you called me to do. We could have put a list of excuse after excuse why we couldn't do something. Or allow the Holy Spirit to come upon us in power to get up and go. We had an infant. He now talks back to us behind the MacBook Pro 15. But he was six months at one time. And he was just learning to walk. And we needed someone to watch him. And this lady comes in by way of Philippines Airlines and watches him. And I don't know how they teach watching kids in the Philippines, but um, homie just started to walk. And he was like seven months. He walked early. And when I came home from work, he was walking on the sidewalk. And Malen was in the house watching him from afar. I said, ah, she's, he's fine. His cars are going to miss him. He's <laughs> the size of a pumpkin kind of walking around. And when I started to ask Malen questions about, like, where she came from and what she's done, you would never guess the, the types of ministry advancement kingdom shaking um, plowing that she has done that the Bible talks about like literally throwing your life into another country and uh, I asked her first I know you guys got called by like every pastor in the world to share some of your mana'o but Ray's gonna help me and you're gonna come up to the stage and you're going to give her a warm applause to welcome Malin Vitting to the stage as she shares. Malin, didn't we give you your very first job in America? Yes. We paid her with love and hugs. Yeah, we, we and some, we didn't have much money. So we're just like, the Lord will bless your account in heaven. Hi, good morning. So, Malen, I'm sorry that I threw shade at you about how you watched our... And look how tough I don't even remember, and he's alive. I do. I remember. Because <laughs> I almost ran him over as I was driving home. That was pre-Tundra days, Ford Ranger. Amen. Um, tell us about your journey, because I know that you went and helped a church in South... Asia and 
it's a place where not many people tend to like go and plant churches. So I really want to just focus in. Oh, I just like triggered your Siri. That was pretty oh, no, awesome. Oh, oh no, your, your Apple, Apple phone. Um, I've Apple watch. Oh. Share about your time. Okay. In that church planting moment outside of your home country. Now you can, I know you, I like, I know you can share everything that led up to there. Just speak to us about you taking that step and helping plant a church in, I want to say Vietnam. Laos. Laos. I always get that wrong. Laos. (laughs) So actually, Laos is um, near Thailand. People know Thailand more, but it's a... Uh, under it's a communist country until now in fact our friend uh v came over and i asked her oh hi v how are they doing do they still arrest those who share about jesus and she goes oh yeah so that's a good you know (laughs) good update but um i did uh go to laos when i was single and i met josh my husband on the way uh it was actually by accident. I was working uh, at an NGO, and then the pastor said, oh, uh, Malen, we're going back Philippines. You take care of the church. And I go, what? And I go, okay. So they had meetings in my house. Um, I was working full-time, but I used up all my lunch breaks, afternoon breaks, even morning breaks to meet students um, to do discipleship and one-to-one. So I was... Um, since I didn't have anybody there, might as well use up my time and share about Jesus. And maybe you talk about that, some of the people that you connected with that was um, in, that, in that country, one-on-one connection, and how you led them to Christ. Oh, there was a, a, a girl, she studied in Singapore, but she's Laotian. She actually dreamt about Jesus two times, and she couldn't figure it out. Who is this guy in my dreams? So when I met her, and I go, oh, my friend from Singapore said that you had a dream about Jesus. And she said, yeah, he, she was, he, this guy was sitting on a rock, and it was like bright light around. I didn't know who that is. And I go, oh, do you want me to tell you about that man? And I tried to explain. And apparently he's, uh, she is um, a granddaughter of one of the um, big officials in the country. And that's how we started, you know, doing one-to-one. And I met other um, students who want to learn English. And because, um, okay, I, I know a little English, so I started doing English. And the English became... Our material is actually the Bible and Bible stories, and that's how it started. Um, I did meet also uh, V, who visited here, and right the reason why she came to America is because she was interpreting for a government official in Seattle, and it really brought a. Um, and I remember she told me, you know, Melinda, the Bible picture Bible about Esther, about all the Bible you know, picture books that you brought from the Philippines. That's how I learned English. And that's how I learned about the Bible. And for me, it was like, okay, what we have in my country, I took it for granted, not realizing that people are needing something and that God will use whatever I have or whatever skill or whatever English 
to reach out to them. You know, the, we've walked through your journey. You shared your testimony about, you know, having kids. But prior to kids, you went and did this when you were single. You didn't wait till, okay, I'm going to get married first. Christian man, come into my life, do all of this. You did all of this before, I think, what we do as Christians. We check the boxes and we say, i got to do all this stuff first. And then, God, I'll go out and step out in faith. But you did. You said, God, I want to do your will. I want to do what you called me to do. And just talk about how he brought the man of your dreams into your life. <laughs> yes. I'm, t- I'm just trying to help the singles out there, y'all. I'm trying to help the singles out there. Just chase after him. Do what he called you to do. And he will take care of your business. Yes. I was actually heartbroken that time before I went to Laos. And then um, the missions care team told me, just come home, you know. And I go, am I, is that one of the reasons why missionaries, you know, give up? Because they're heartbroken. They, she goes, oh, yeah. And I go, I, well, I'm not going to be one of them. So I did pursue Laos. And I, yes, I didn't have anything. I go, Lord, if I die, I die. At least I die single. Um, <laughs> um, I've heard horror stories, too, about how they imprison Christians and all that. I go, yeah, Sure. And, um, but even now it's still in my heart. I still have connection with them. The pastors are still giving me updates about what's happened. And it's not, it's not, it has not finished since I got married. I just, I I know we see the visible things. Like we see things set up. You see the worship team. You see a a bunch of different elements within what makes up a church. But you don't see us a lot of the times of the back stuff. What Josh and Melinda do for missionaries within our church family is like the accounts that are in heaven that I joked about earlier, all the things that they sow into missionaries that are burnt out, that are ready to go, that are questioning whether or not they should be where they're at. They've walked through so many, with so many missionaries that are all across the world and planet. They don't get the credit. They don't get the accolades. They don't get the claps. We clap and the worship team does a great number. They hit the melodies. They, we, they don't get it and they never ask for it. But I see how God's hand moves upon your guys' lives because you guys are so generous. You guys are always give beyond your means and God has moved your life. Can you just speak to that giving of yourselves? Because I think a lot of the time we want to give just a little bit. And I know I do this. I say, well, you just got to serve once a month. And that's all. But sometimes it just goes beyond that. You guys have shown that. And you've seen God move upon your behalf. So to kind of share a little bit about how you guys step outside of yourselves and constantly give. Yeah, we... We live by the three words, pray, give, and go. So in terms of giving, um, it's never a question of whether we're going to give or not. It's whether, it's, it's, God has already given his son, so it's no excuse for us not to give. And we see that the more we give, the more God blesses us. It's just like um, not even expecting anything returned, but he doesn't fail to amaze us when he when he gives us because we give um, we give out a heart because we know missionaries don't have a lot they 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 are don't have the luxury of a first world country and 
um, just giving a little or even what you have or even beyond what you have is already a blessing to them. And yeah. You know, some of you are like, well, I don't know if I can go all the way to Laos and to start kind of giving and sowing. Well, she'll tell you, she'll just step right across the street. And sometimes it's right across the house. So some people think missionary work is just going to different countries, share, I think you got some friends in the house that might testify to this, about just going across the street and making connections with people as that's part of the missionary journey as well. Um, Even when I was growing up too, an American missionary uh, from America uh, went to the Philippines and said, well, someday you will share to other people um, of a different nation. So you just have to have a Bible and a passport, which I eventually did. But now that I'm married with kids, I tell God, Lord, I'm busy to go house. I can't even take care of my youngest. But there are people outside our house that need the Lord. And somehow God brings them, you know, strategically where we are. We, didn't ha- we don't even have to buy a ticket and fly they're there and many of our friends some are here we are neighbors and we're able to hang out have fellowship and i tell them about jesus and our journey Uh, church family uh, i always believe that the latter is going to be greater than the former and i want to speak a prayer of prophecy over her life about what they're going to do in the in the near and distant future can you stretch forth your hand and your heart as we pray over our missionary that's here but god is going to open doors all across the world father we thank you that malen and josh and family give us the model and the picture of practically getting up and go getting up and go and as they made that their mantra lord the latter days are going to be greater than all of the former not to minimize the work that they've done in the past but there you're not done yet god you have so much life in there they have so much love to give there's doors and opportunities that are literally at their forefront and now it's just choosing which one lord let you be clear in their lives where you're sending them where you are taking them they could go into so many different worlds and your hand of blessing and success will be upon them because they have sacrificed for you. They have laid down their lives for you to do your kingdom business. And you're going to take care of all of the things that they need to take care of to make it happen. If you've called them to go, you've called them to it, you'll walk them through it, Lord. So we're excited to see what you're going to do in and through their lives in this next um, season that they are going to walk through in Jesus' precious name. And all of God's people said, amen. Can we get up for Malin, everybody, for a powerful testimony and word? You didn't know, yeah? There's all a bunch of you guys in here that just have done amazing work to advance God's kingdom. Now, some of you can be 
like a melen, like hear someone say, hey, you should just go and blindly jump out and say, Lord, you're going to give me the details along the way. And some of you are just wired like, I need to know X, Y, and Z so I can, God, I can do something honorable for you. Just give me the right training. We started off with get up and go. Now it's get up and grow. Get up and grow. Training. We have an amazing couple in our church that um, decided to get missionary training for world missions at the ripe young age of plus 60. Plus 60 years old. When you're kind of just thinking, I'm just going to like settle, I'm going to ride off into the sunset, they're like, no. The adventure is just beginning, and I wanted Ray to go over to their house on pre-Thanksgiving day to share, uh, to get like a Johnny on the spot interview moment, and I might even have Ray go ahead and ask them live in the flesh because they're here about a couple that decided to get the training that they needed to share the gospel throughout the world. So if we can go to video right now. I received an offer from AGMSA to, uh, for a six-month contract as an IT project manager. At the end of that contract, I retired. For the next year, May and I lived a life that very few people are able to do, I think. We lived here in Hawaii, and our biggest decision every day was whether to go to the beach or play golf. At the end of that year, the Lord really impressed us that we were to become EN missionaries. And so we had met Vince Roberts, who is currently an EN missionary to a Southeast country, to Southeast Asian country. And he suggested that we contact Pastor K.C. Lu in Taiwan. And when we did, they were very, very happy. They said, yeah, come on over. How soon can you be here? After that, we talked to Pastor Sam and Nancy Webb about our idea. And they said, boy, if you really want to do that, the place that you should go is the School of World Missions in Manila, in the Philippines. And so we went. I like that last part. And so we went. They're right here. Give it up for Etty, man, Uncle Warren. Now, Uncle Warren kind of stole the microphone in their time. <laughs> But if you ever had a conversation with Auntie May, she's got a whole bunch within her. So, Ray, you're going to play Oprah right now and ask Auntie May some questions about their training time in Manila. Do you want to stand in the front so everyone can see you? Yes, she does. Okay. So we, Auntie May and I, had a really good conversation on Wednesday night pre-Thanksgiving. And she shared about her time not just in the school, but how she had to help those who were being sent out. Can you share that story? 
See, I had to just prompt her. She's going to share with us about some of the experiences that she had in the training school as well as how she helped train the others. While we were at the School of World Missions in Manila, Philippines, that uh, part of the curriculums, the missionaries from the foreign fields came in and shared with us their experiences out there. And they, these missionaries from the restrictive countries, they literally put their lives on the line. So one of the things they shared, like when they had their Sunday services, they would always have a frozen cake in the freezer, just in case if there are somebody come to the door, it could be neighbors, it could be a police, could be anybody. Then quickly, they transform their church service into a birthday party. They started to sing happy birthday songs. It would be your birthday that day. And so that's the, how they avoided getting put in prison. So that really just touched my heart that here, you know, uh, we live in such a comfortable country. And my gosh, you come to church, somebody take my seat of me. I am upset. But there, <laughs> there, they really put their lives on the line and just made me feel like, wow, you know, I am really nothing compared to these people. I mean, they're really earning their crown uh, in heaven. So that really just something that just so inspiring. So all of us who feel a call really just need to pray about it and see where God will lead you and support the missionaries. Uncle Warren and Auntie May were, and I'm saying this in the most respectful way, the oldest graduating couple in the world mission school. Oldest couple. Can we just give that? That's pretty amazing. Oh, she wants to say. Uh, he was 99 and I was 29. One more time for Uncle Warren and Auntie Mary. You good? I don't want to take away. I, you had all your shine on the video. That's why I want to give you. You good? He's all right. Hey, if you were ever a part of a short-term mission trip or a long-term mission trip in your life, maybe Okinawa or other places in the country, I want you to stand up to your guys' feet right now. Stand up to your feet. I want people to see. Stand up to your feet. If you lived, your family is missionaries. Your family spent time overseas. And so just one, two. Thank you, Marlena. I'll just kind of give you the prompt. No, no, no. Stay, stay standing. Stay standing. Because this, because we're going to give ourselves five years and everybody should be standing. Everyone should be standing. It doesn't have to be long. It can be short. Um, everyone should be standing. I just let it burn. Look at the image. Look around. In the back, too. People are standing. Has been. You've been on a short-term mission. Yeah, thank you. Short-term mission. Yep. It's, it's too few. It's too few. It's too few. 
Here, sit down, sit down. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I'm not trying to make you guys, it's not about making you feel bad. This is the reality. We're in the church and we want to come to church and do church. And that's part of it. A major part of your growth is going to come when you go. The biggest growth I ever happened in my life when it was when I took these short-term and longer-term mission trips. It literally radicalized and shaped who I am today. And then I don't say, well, I'm going to wait till I go on a mission trip. Then I start doing it across the street. So if you can't go across the seas, then you start today by going across the street and just start to be a missionary to your community, be a missionary to the place that you are at, your workplace, be a missionary there. We're called to get up and go. In this training that we talked about, there is practical ways that you can train to be sent out to be a missionary. So get up and grow. The last one, my last point, and we'll close with this before our hula special comes up, is to get up and sow. Okay? To get up and sow. Not everybody can literally go because of circumstances or situations, but you can sow into missionaries that are trying to do the work that we pray about. It takes work. It takes finances to do these things. We're doing a great work in Tacoma right now. Um, Ronnie and the team and, and, and Mark sent back these photos of this gathering that they had, a Friendsgiving gathering in the heart of Tacoma at a bar. A bar. Like, oh my goodness, that is sacrilegious. Well, that's where the people that they're reaching at are at. And what you sow into allows that team to thrive. Because right now, it's tough (laughs) financially. They're just trying to live in one of the highest cities in America, next to San Fran and Hawaii and New York. They're smack dab trusting God to do the work of an evangelist. And some of us can't go there whenever visit, but your sewing does an amazing job. You're like, what are you sewing? Like, are we sewing clothes? Are we sewing money? Money into the ministry to advance the gospel into the ends of the earth. You say, well, I give. And that goes to the functions of the church. And part of tithing, okay, goes to fund these missionary um, expirations. The offering that we're doing today is called a legacy offering. When we talk about a tithe, it talks about your faithfulness to God. You cannot be generous when it already belongs to him. So you're like, well, I give when I can. And I give it to God. I'm, I'm generous, right? That already belongs to him. A tithe belongs to him. It tests your faithfulness. Generosity comes when you give above and beyond the tithe and it stings. And you know, I got to buy this monster truck so my kid can have the best childhood. So I got to buy him the tricked out monster truck so he can drive and flex in the neighborhood because they have golf carts and monster trucks in my neighborhood. The, The giving above and beyond the tithe is what's going to break open new territory and places. And you know what? It does excite about the six or seven people that stand. That should really burn in your hearts. For those that can't literally physically go, you can sow into the ministry of what we're talking about through this entire Beyond 
series and to get your hearts prepared for that. We have a special number for you. We don't normally do this. You see it on an Easter, perhaps a Christmas, but um, our creative arts team decided to bless you on this post-Thanksgiving weekend. Can we give them a nice warm round of applause as they bless you?